Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the sixth edition of Digital Detectives, brought to you by our terrific sponsor, Applied Discovery, an international leader in electronic discovery. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, we'll be talking about a new and horrifying development in the world of electronic evidence. We've entitled this episode, Sexting and Sextortion, Texting and Extortion Get a Triple X Twist. I suspect, John, that a great many people don't know what sextortion is, and at least a few might not even know the term sexting. So why don't you begin by giving us definitions? Sure. Let's, let's start with, uh, with sexting, since that seems to be more, more common, uh, commonly known among folks. And it, it actually is defined as the act of sending sexually explicit messages or photographs, primarily between mobile devices, um, cell phones. Uh, now that we have the iPad, that's also a, a potential candidate for, for these uh, bits of information moving as well. It became a popular term really around 2005. So we've seen it uh, in the news here very recently, and we're going to tell some stories about all that. Sextortion is actually when a person uses that kind of information and blackmails them into providing more provocative Im- images or even performing sexual favors. Uh, and we'll give some some examples and tell some stories about that. Right, Sharon? We will indeed. Uh, we'll start maybe with some of the statistics. Uh, recent studies, and the numbers do vary from study to study, but they show that roughly 20% of teens have engaged in sending sexual photos of themselves. And that's, that's kind of scary. And those numbers, of course, are climbing. 22% are girls, 18% are boys. In terms of sexually suggestive or explicit messages not involving photos or videos, the numbers rise to 40% of teens. Perhaps unsurprisingly, 51% said girls send sexy photos under pressure from guys. And almost the same number said that girls send photos as a present for their boyfriends. This is not a good present, ladies. Uh, Nearly half say that they've received sexually charged messages or photos. And 44% say such messages and photos get distributed beyond the original recipient. 20% of the girls and 39% of the boys said they sent this kind of sexual content to someone they wanted to date or hook up with. This is a very disturbing method of getting a date, to say the least. I used to tell my daughters when they wore suggestive clothing, don't advertise unless you intend to sell. But it appears that many of these young people are indeed intending to sell, which is very, very sad. Um, And I don't think they seem to understand the possible legal consequences of their actions. Maybe you could describe what those consequences may be, John. Yeah, I'm going to tell a couple of stories that, that certainly we're very, very familiar with. Um, and what some of those consequences might be. The first one is, is right down the road from us in the next county over, South Riding, Virginia, where a 60-year-old assistant principal uh, was, was tasked with investigating the sexting activity that was going on at, at the high school there. So he did his job, ran through, and was, was interviewing folks and, and talking to people. He ended up coming to a 16-year-old that admitted having a picture on his cell phone of a girl that later was determined to be to be 17. She was wearing only underpants and her and her arms were mostly covering her breasts. The boy said he didn't know who sent the photo or who the girl was. Uh, so he shows this picture to the to the assistant principal um, and then in turn the assistant principal shows it to his boss the principal. 
He was then advised to, to keep a copy of that image, to preserve a copy of the image. But the assistant principal wasn't real tech savvy uh, with, with the computer. So he didn't understand or know how to transfer the photo, do whatever. So this, the 16 year old boy uh, was very helpful and actually transmitted the, that photo to the assistant principal's cell phone and then told him how to forward that off to his, his uh, school email so that he could uh, download that from there. Uh, and then the, the student was instructed to actually delete the, the photo off of his, his cell phone. So the assistant principal thinks, all right, he's doing all the right thing here. Um, unfortunately, the, this two weeks later, this 16-year-old boy is in trouble again. He's, he was caught pulling down a pants of a girl in, in class. Uh, and so the school suspended him for 10 days. But when the boy's mother learned of the, the earlier photo incident, she was actually outraged that the picture hadn't been brought to her attention from the, from the previous, uh, previous episode. So she insisted that the, the suspension be, be revoked. Uh, the school refused to do that. So she then went to the, the police about the, the photo. The police then investigated uh, and then recovered the image from the assistant principal's phone and determined that the girl was, in fact, underage and it was a student at, at the high school. Uh, then things really got nasty. This this poor assistant principal uh, ends up getting charged originally with a misdemeanor possession of child pornography and kind of was pressured into resigning. Uh, he, he refused to do that. And, and then the Commonwealth's attorney uh, upped the ante to a felony uh, for him. At, at the end of the, the story here, he ended up spending $150,000 in his legal defense uh, and a year of his life uh, defending this whole thing. So that's, that's quite a, a grave consequence there uh, until the, you know, finally the courts uh, threw the case out uh, before it went to trial. So that's, that's really, uh, uh, you think about it, uh, a bad story and the consequence for that, that assistant uh, uh, principal, uh, just because he thought he was doing the right thing. Uh, we had another, as you know, Sharon, we had a, a case about three years ago, I guess at this point where um, an 18 year old boy was charged with possession and distribution of child pornography by sending uh, nude photos of his seven, then 17 year old girlfriend the 17-year-old uh, girlfriend admitted that these were consensual photos. And they, and as, as, as you're going to hear in some of these stories, when there's a falling out in the relationship, um, so the, apparently the, the 18-year-old boy had sent one, one of the photos to a friend of his, and then her, his ex-girlfriend now finds out about this. Uh, and so the police get involved and it gets really ugly, really fast. And they end up charging the, the 18 year old because, quote, he's an adult. Uh, and the Commonwealth will push that, that, uh, that case forward. He ended up uh, getting probation, um, et cetera, at the end of, at the end of the day. But, but still, it, it is considered to be possession of child pornography. Although there's some some change to all that, and we'll talk a little bit about how the laws are beginning to change, but let's continue on with some of these cases, because I really think a lot of people don't know how, how widespread this has become. Um, federal prosecutors are certainly saying that they're seeing an upswing in these cases, especially of sexual extortion. They say that teens who text nude cell phone photos of themselves or show off their bodies on the internet are being contacted by pornographers who threaten to expose their behavior to friends and family unless they pose for more explicit porn. 
creating a vicious cycle of exploitation. And of course, as you mentioned, John, sometimes they, they will actually trade that their silence for sex. No one yet tracks the statistics on these cases, but we have found cases in a dozen states that have been reported in the press, which means we've probably just found the tip of the iceberg. We can't tell you all the stories, of course, but here are a few examples. One girl's nightmare began with a party. She was with a couple other teenage girls with a webcam visiting an internet chat room, and they started to yield to requests to flash their breasts. A week later, one of the girls, a 17-year-old, started getting threatening emails. A stranger said he had captured her image and would post the pictures to her MySpace friends unless she posed for more explicit pictures and videos. On at least two occasions, the teen did exactly what her blackmailer demanded. Finally, police and federal authorities became involved and indicted a 19-year-old Maryland man uh, that was earlier this year on charges of sexual exploitation. In Alabama, another man was sentenced to 18 years in prison in April of this year after he admitted sending threatening emails on Facebook and MySpace, extorting nude photos for more than 50 young women in Alabama, Pennsylvania, and Missouri. And don't think that the boys are exempt. Uh, in Wisconsin, one boy received, uh, one boy, one man received uh, 15 years in prison after he posed as a girl on Facebook in order to trick male high school classmates into sending him nude cell phone photos. He then used those photos to extort sex from those boys. And the FBI has just updated its website to include a story about a chilling case in Los Angeles involving the sex extortion of over 230 young girls and more victims may be discovered. There was a 31-year-old California hacker who was arrested this past June who used malware to control the computers of his victims. He then searched their computers for compromising photos and used the images to demand more photos and videos from the victim. So using spear phishing techniques and a social media site which was not identified in the story, the hacker targeted his victims, sometimes appearing to them as a trusted friend or sister with a link to what was supposedly a scary video. When they clicked on that link, the spyware installed itself. As an investigator in that case noted, this guy was no computer genius. Anyone could have done what he did just by watching a video and following instructions. So there are some illustrative examples. And let's talk about the relationship between sexting, cyberbullying, harassment, and unfortunately, suicide. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we've heard the, the Megan Meyer case uh, from several years back and, and the, the suicide that occurred there, but, but it's moved into now the sexting and the, and the, the cyberbullying. Uh, a very recent case, uh, Hope Witzel uh, out of Florida was a 13-year-old girl, and she wanted to get this boy's attention. So she very stupidly, uh, frankly, took a, um, a photo of herself topless and sent it to the boy. Uh, she got not just his attention, but the attention of the school as well as a, a nearby high school because this guy uh, apparently distributed this this photo uh, of her. So what ended up happening is uh, she ended up walking down the hallways. They were calling her names. Uh, everyone, they called her things like a slut and a whore. And just the, the pressure, the peer pressure uh, that was upon her after, after this photo became essentially public between the high school and, and her, uh, her middle school that she was going to there down in Florida. Um, the unfortunate end of that story is 11 weeks after that, that event occurred, she committed suicide. She hanged herself in, in her bedroom. So you, you, we're seeing among the teens here this, uh, this consequence, if you will, and, and the, the bullying, uh, if you will, may happen or the, uh, 
we, we mentioned about the possession of child pornography. So it's a it's a real, real difficult situation for these these kids. And let's talk about some of the uh, adult role models who don't prove to be such role models after all. Uh, unfortunately, adult to teen sexting is on the rise, which is no surprise. John and I actually work as court-appointed special advocates for abused and neglected children. And this past weekend, we attended a statewide conference where we were shocked and depressed to learn that one in four girls and one in six boys have been sexually molested by the time they are 18. By this time, everybody knows that molesters are using the internet, but but of course, they have also begun to use smartphones, and sexting is becoming increasingly common, particularly from adults the children know. It could be a pastor, a teacher, or a coach. You wouldn't think they would be so brazen, but the numbers are on the rise. And just last month, October of 2010, a track and field coach from Bozeman High School in Montana was arrested and charged with sexual abuse of children and obscenity. He had sent nude photos of himself to at least three female students trying to entice them into having sex with him. According to the investigation, he sent a number of sexually explicit text messages, including, maybe I can break some rules, depends how good you are and whether you can keep a secret. Ha ha for now, I want to see how much you share over text. And ah, thank you, you have such a nice body. Evans, uh, this gentleman, also allegedly told one of the females that he would like to lick ice cream off her body and then sent her a picture of his genitals, as well as a photo of him receiving oral sex this from a coach no less yeah it's 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 really it's a brave new world out there um sharon you had talked about the the story about the three girls in the webcam and uh how how these folks are preying on these teenagers and they're acting as as another teen or as a a young girl you know in the case of the the boys but uh we're, we're seeing this malware infections occurring too, where the the folks are taking over control of the computers and then capturing any photos that might be on there and then using those in in the sextortion schemes. So what can you do to secure those things? Uh, Certainly number one is to make sure that you've got um, antivirus software, anti-malware, any of the internet security suites uh, that are available should help tremendously. The second thing is going to be is to to not be stupid, and I know you're gonna you're gonna talk more about that in, in a little bit. But before we move on to the next segment, let's just take a quick break with a few words from Legal Talk Network and our sponsors, Applied Discovery. Applied Discovery, a global leader in complex litigation preparation and management. Combine subject matter expertise and innovative e-discovery technology in a complete and proven process. From litigation readiness to collection, analytics, processing, document review, and production services, we manage your entire process with dedicated project managers to ensure quality and workflow efficiency. With our team, including former practicing attorneys and technology experts, Applied Discovery can help you successfully navigate the challenges of complex discovery. Discover Applied Discovery today at AppliedDiscovery.com. Need the latest on eDiscovery-related topics? Check out our new eDiscovery Center right here on the Legal Talk Network. You'll find podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more. Just visit our homepage at LegalTalkNetwork.com and click on the eDiscovery Center logo. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today we're talking about sexting and sextortion. Texting and extortion get a triple X twist. 
there's a, an interesting piece in the news that, that was just announced that Apple uh, received a patent for one of their technologies that they, they applied for back in, in 2008 that is an attempt to restrict and protect people from, from the, the sexting that's going on. Effectively, it's, it's monitoring the, the text-based communication over your personal devices. I, I mentioned the mobile devices before. And based upon the contents of those, uh, potentially blocking them. So it, it's, it, it's kind of like Big Brother's watching, uh, and you've got these different, uh, different words that they key on, different images, et cetera, that they might, uh, then, then restrict and, and track. So it's the, the anti-sexting stuff is, is starting to become popular. That's one, one method. Apple certainly is, is moving forward with that. There are other things I know that, uh, are also available and that's just monitoring software available for these, these smartphones. And as you know, Sharon, we've had many cases primarily in family law where folks are putting spyware on computers and it's now grown up. Uh, the, the spyware and the, the software is now available to actually monitor what's happening on, on smartphones, whether it's Android phones or Blackberries or iPhones, et cetera. So those, that's some of the ways at least that they're, we're starting to attack this, uh, this, the sexting and sextortion uh, activities. You know, we've talked, John, a little bit about sexting between teens and adult to teen sexting. So let's talk a little bit about sexting among adults, which is, of course, legal, however foolish it might be. Uh, however, we're seeing more and more cases involving questionable adult conduct that, do, that does kind of skirt over some legal lines. One of the stories that made me see red as an attorney was that of uh, a county district attorney, Kenneth Kratz, who sent 30 texts to a domestic abuse victim, no less. And his uh, his not very charming missives included such choice tidbits are, are you the kind of girl that likes secret contact with an older married elected DA? The riskier, the better. And perhaps the most obnoxious of his messages was this one. I'm the attorney. I have the $350,000 house. I have the six-figure career. You may be the tall, young, hot nymph, but I am the prize. And it certainly struck me as I read that, that prize jerk would be more apt, and I'm being kind. Uh, by the way, he apparently sent electronic messages to more than one woman along much the same lines. Initially, he refused to resign when reports of his conduct, which clearly is unethical, circulated in the press in, in mid-September, but he saw the light and submitted his resignation in October. Uh, in true modern fashion, he is now receiving treatment for his quote-unquote condition. Uh, so, I... I kind of hate how everybody gets treatment and nobody actually is accountable for their actions. But this was particularly obnoxious because he was representing this woman. Uh, she had already been abused by her boyfriend and he was representing her in that matter when he was sending these texts, which really was terrible. I hope they suspend or revoke his law license. I just want to speak a little bit to to the victims of, of this whole sexting activity that's going on, Sharon, and uh, certainly the initial sexter. Is, uh, is, is a victim. So there might be photos that compromising photos that someone's taken of them and or they've taken of themselves. And then what's pretty typical in these cases, a relationship turns sour. And now these, this secret, if you will, information is, uh, goes around and is spread, spread about. And we've, we've talked about those. They could end up on the, on the internet. They could be classified as child porn. So it's that initial sexter is certainly a, a victim. Also, the recipients of that. So imagine in the school setting where somebody thinks it's really funny and they send this off to almost effectively a distribution list, you know, 15, 20 different people. 
as the recipient of that, you might find that vulgar. Uh, you don't like this, this, uh, these nude photos, et cetera. So those are certainly potentially, you know, victim, victims of that, uh, of sexting as well. And I just want to, to let our, our listeners know too, that if, if you are a recipient of this and, and it does happen to be, uh, considered to be evidence, and, and I'll tell a quick story of a, a colleague of ours out in Colorado that, uh, his client was a recipient of uh, th- this kind of information, uh, this, the sexting things. And then he was all concerned about preserving the evidence because they were going to go forward with a lawsuit. Uh, and he really overthought it. He says, well, geez, maybe we should forensically do this. And then, uh, and I said, you know, you don't need to do that. Just don't delete it off your phone. You know, you've, you've got the original evidence sitting right there. So that's a, a lot of folks uh, tend to overthink that and, and want to get into all this spending a lot of money and doing a lot of things uh, for the preservation of the evidence. And, and you've got it right there on the device. <laughs> yeah, always, always trying to save people money where you can. Um, sextortion, of course, is, is extortion. So that is always covered under the law. But sexting is a little bit different. So as of September 2010, the National Conference of State Legislatures reported that 10 states have laws addressing youth sexting and 16 states have legislation pending. Generally, these laws will include education about sexting and penalties specific to the crime, often removing it from the child pornography laws. It's a curious crime in many ways. Um, For example, child pornography laws are there to protect the victim, but in the case of sexting, the victim is often the one transmitting the pornography. So it's, it's, it's weird and it's hard to figure out how to grapple with. According to the 2010 Berkman Center study, the primary response has been to downgrade child exploitation offenses when committed in the context of youth sexting. Often what would be a felony is now a misdemeanor and those found guilty are excluded from sex offender registries. They also often provide for expungement of the record over time. Uh, a huge focus of these laws is education. So schools should have policy saying that sexting is prohibited irrespective of whether state or federal laws are violated. Discipline should be clearly spelled out. Parents uh, and police, you, you need to tell the students that they may be called in. Uh, you need to have the policy state that cell phones can be searched if there's a reasonable suspicion that sexting has taken place. Uh, and expressly prohibiting cyberbullying and harassment and making it clear that penalties apply to those acts as well. All of this should be reinforced, of course, by education, at least annually. And, and you brought up a good point, too, Sharon, is that, the, you know, there's some change in, in the, the thinking here. But but currently, law enforcement is, in fact, treating this information and, and these these photos and the sexting as, as if it were child porn. Now, there's a real reluctance to prosecute because we're talking underage children. It's, a lot of times it's, it's consensual, that that one case that I that I said earlier. So, it's it's really we're in we're in the the middle here where things are a little bit mushy uh, and depending on some of the jurisdictions uh, you could in fact be charged with child porn like this this poor guy in the in the next county over or um, they may be looking the other way. They may indeed. And, and one of the things we hope to accomplish in, in this podcast was to talk about what parents can do, because most of the people who are going to be listening to this are not going to be teenagers. They're going to be parents. Um, so there are some suggested conversation starters. Uh, specifically, you need to ask some questions. You know, have you ever received a sexual message or photo on your cell phone? Has anyone ever 
asked you or pressured you to send a sexual photo? Do you think it's okay to send sexy messages or images? And why do you feel that way? I mean, you're not trying to be judge and jury here. You're trying to engage the child in conversation. So it's important not to get mad, but to have a conversation. Um, What do you think could happen to you if you send or forward a sexual text message or photo with your cell phone? How likely do you think it is that sexual messages and images sent to one person will be viewed by others? And maybe it's a good time to point out some of these statistics because I think often the kids don't think about them. So you need to emphasize that they need to think about the consequences of what they do. They could face humiliation at school, cyber or real world bullying. They could be disciplined. They could be kicked off a sports team, lose educational opportunities, get in trouble with the law, perhaps not get a job. So the rule is don't take photos of yourself. You wouldn't want your parents and grandparents to see. And before you hit send, remember that you can't control what the person receiving anything will do with the photos or messages they get. It could go to their friends and friends of those friends in a you know, very viral way, just continuing rippling out. If you forward a sexual image of someone underage, you could face child pornography charges. You could go to jail. You could have to register as a sex offender. And in most states, that is still true today. And you should report any sexual messages or photos that you receive to a trusted adult, whether it's a parent, a school counselor, whatever and do not delete the message or photo because, of course, that's your evidence. This is is a very serious issue, and I think it is starting to be reported in the press, John, but I'm hopeful that they will uh, take it further, and particularly with respect to education, because we see too many times these sad stories of people being bullied, harassed, committing suicide, etc., and they had no idea what the consequences were, and the idea that you're sharing a private photo with a boyfriend, you know, that boyfriend may not be a boyfriend three months from today, and you don't know what he'll do with those images at that point. So girls need to be very protective, boys need to be very protective, and adults need to think about actively becoming involved with these children so that they don't make a mistake that could damage their lives. It's a a very, very different world today, isn't it? Uh, Unfortunately, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at www.legaltalknetwork.com or on iTunes. And you can find more about Sensei's Computer Forensics Technology and Security Services at www.senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.